0: information you can trust, stories you can relate to, and tips and tactics you can apply on your next adventure. Hunting, fishing, camping, and everything in between. This is the Battle Mountain Podcast. This is a Battle Mountain Podcast from the archives. Awesome. Well, perfect. Thanks so much, Lane, for taking the time out of your evening uh, to hop on the show and share some of your tips and tactics and all that kind of stuff about filming because it's definitely not as easy as it
1: looks. <laughs> oh, man, I'm happy to do it. Yeah, and you're right on that.
0: So why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into filming and how long well you've been doing it and everything like that.
1: Alright, I uh well I'm a big backcountry bow hunter myself and I got into the filming with my boss who I filmed for a show called Outback Outdoors. My boss, Trevin Stolswith, oh, uh shoot back in two thousand nine, two thousand ten had asked me to do some stuff for him and I was working in the oil field at the time, super busy, couldn't do it. And then the next year I got hired out of the fire department and I had a little bit more free time than when I was working in the oil field and He put something out saying that he wanted to intern that, that following summer. And I hit him up about it. I said, Hey, I want to come do some stuff. And he he was actually looking for an editing intern. And he's like, I don't want you to edit. He's like, I want you to film. I was like, all right, sweet. I'd always been obsessed with taking a camera with me when I hunt. I'd never really hunted without taking a video camera, but I had no idea what I was doing. And so (laughs) Trevin brought me in and started teaching me the ropes. I worked for him for a long time without even getting a paycheck, which was awesome because he was getting something, but I was just getting a ton of information. So I started out working with him, did a few hunts that fall, did the grand opening to Cabela's here in Colorado, and just took off from there. Between Trevin and Dustin, I have just learned a ton and just started doing a lot more hunts. That's kind of That's like the down and dirty of how I, I got into it.
0: That's awesome. There's, there's nothing like... Uh, having somebody show you the ropes, um, and and I agree completely. I I have no issues with not getting paid if I'm learning that much information that I can use and everything like that.
1: And to be honest, I'd still do it now for free if I could. If I could, you know, make it work financially. But I, all my camera equipment is so expensive, and then being away from the family and the kids and stuff. I just I really love being out in the field and filming. I if you could give me the the choice of being out in the field and filming somebody shooting a 350-inch bull or me shooting at myself, I really would be a toss-up because it's just as much fun for me to be behind the camera as it is for me to be the guy shooting at itself. So I have a huge passion for hunting, and it just translates over to the film because I love filming just as much.
0: That's awesome. I, I can just hear it, hear the passion in your voice for it. And it's amazing how much better the film comes out when you have that kind of passion for it. Um, I I tried, I did some guiding for a little bit, and then I was fortunate enough to be invited by Brian to go film Brian. And I just, filming Brian, someone that knows how to hunt, was so much more enjoyable than guiding someone that didn't know how to hunt it was like night and day difference i was like i i think i'd just be fine with filming from now on rather than guiding because it wasn't all that much fun um, but you had mentioned a little bit about your camera gear and how it's ex- and how it's expensive and and i completely understand that um what uh what type of equipment and cameras and everything like that are you running and what? You know, what is the reason behind why you're running it?
1: Um, My primary camera is a Canon, and it's actually a DSLR. So the primary purpose that Canon makes it for is pictures, like really high-quality, pretty pictures. But in the past few years, they've really come a long way with the video side of it, and it gives you a really awesome cinematic look. And so I use a Canon DSLR, and it's a 60, and I just have a wide variety of lenses that I'll switch back and forth and use for. It gives me the reason I use the DSLR is because it gives you a really cinematic look. I can play with the light a lot more than I can on other cameras. Not that you can on other cameras, but to me I can just I can play with the focus. I can play with everything really well on the DSLR. And so that's like my primary go to camera. When I'm doing stuff with OO we have some more expensive cameras like uh the Sony FS seven hundred is a great camera. It shoots in slow motion. And it's a really good just all-around video camera, but if you tried to take a picture with it, it just wouldn't turn out. So hmm. that's, like, the two main cameras that I'm really comfortable messing with. And I'm not nearly as comfortable with the 700, the FS700, as I am with any DSLR. You put a Canon DSLR in my hands, and I'm running that thing in, like, 20 seconds. I just find out where my settings are, and I'm good to go.
0: That's awesome. Now, so, you've mentioned
1: So you as mentioned far as like capturing the – No, go ahead. Yeah, lenses. Oh, no, No, yeah, go ahead. I was going to get into, like, audio and stuff. Yeah, no, that'd be great. That'd be great. We do some more stuff. I just have a really good shotgun mic that I put on there. For the most part, that shotgun mic does a great job of capturing the audio. But then we have a system to, like, a wireless mic system, and they are Sony wireless mics that run into a wireless recorder. And then that actually captures the audio, and we'll link it later on in post.
0: I got you. I got you. so you're not so you're running a shotgun mic on your camera without a mixer um,
1: yep, yeah, and okay. they make mixers for it the The mixers have really come a long way in actually just this last two years for attachments to the cameras, and for OO, we actually do run a mixer that makes mix, that it just records straight to it, but for my personal stuff, then a lot of times I'll just run it straight to where it's actually a zoom, and then I'll go and I'll add it and post.
0: I got you. Um, now you mentioned a little bit about lenses. Uh, do you? H- how many lenses do you typically bring with you?
1: Uh, it depends on the hunt, um, and well, it depends on what I have available to me. If it's uh, for OO, then I'll. Uh, and I'm using a lot of their gear. Then again, they have a ton of lenses, so I'll I'll have two to three lenses for a day just to switch back and forth from if it's my personal stuff. If I'm going like in the back country, like I did with Brian, all I took was my 24 to one Oh five on that one. And it went great up until we had to get like those long shots. And then we were going to use his phone and do like some stuff through the phone scope for the really far shots. But we just never got in a situation where we were on a buck that we, you can see really good through the spotting scope. So gotcha. we never did that, but I got a, uh, I have a seventy to three hundred lens that I use for like my long lens stuff on that and then you can throw a doubler on there and make it into a six hundred, but you gotta have a lot of light to be doing that. With this okay. lens in particular. For OO we run a lot of uh there's uh seventy to two hundred, which is just a great setup because that gets you it's a little bit close if you're doing some spot and stock stuff, but other than that it's a great all around lens to use.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting that you'd mention that uh twenty four to one oh five uh, Brian and I were just just, just discussing that because each of us have a 16 to 50, and then we have a 55 to 210, and it doesn't really hit that happy medium. So the 55 to 210, as you know, is too close, and then the the 15 to 50 is too far away. So yep. So yep. that's next yep. on I my really list. Like <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah I really love that twenty four to one oh five I could just make that sucker go out to like a two hundred. It would just be to me the perfect lens. I wish I could almost double that that end gap on it, but I really like it for archery hunts it's it's awesome mhm and if I were to just have one lens in fact uh the film one of the films I have in the full draft film tour this year. Um, uh, the whole film I did with the 24 to 105, I think I threw on my 70 to 300 ones that whole hunt just because I didn't need to, didn't really need to switch it out.
0: Wow. That's, that's pretty awesome. Um, now when, yeah, on a, I guess on a typical hunt, like, uh, since we've been talking about Brian's, uh on that kind of a typical hunt, um, how many, how many photos are you
1: generally taking on a typical hunt like that? oh man that's a that's a good question though the reason i really love to run the dslr with for the film because it's cinema, cinematic and they get that look to it but i can just switch over to the camera mode take a bunch of pictures and then switch right back to filming
0: exactly. so that's a
1: oh man that's a hell of a question because i i don't know i'd have to ask brian how many it took on his hunt this last time i did in nebraska we went through and we looked at photos later on in the day and i'd It's gotta be at least two hundred a day.
0: Wow. That's
1: that's probably probably on a low side if I had to guess. I think I was I I like to snap away a lot, so before I know it I'll eat through a card.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and speaking of cards, how many cards do you typically bring?
1: Uh well for Brian's hunt then I had a bunch of sixty four gigs and I think we took at least a sixty four gig per day. Gotcha. So uh, so that's that's a really good mix. If I get you no know, like when I went to Alaska and I did my own stuff up in Alaska, I took one and a half thirty two gig cards per day. I knew that I could burn up a card in a day and then other days I wouldn't be. So I took a I averaged one and a half per day and it came out to be pretty good. Wow. I used up every single card by the time I was getting back. So
0: <laughs> that's crazy. So Uh, you know when you're when you're going throughout the day and you're taking that many pictures because I don't I mean I'm new to the the filming and the camera and all that stuff but so I don't take as many pictures as I should. Um, What I mean, what all kinds of things are you looking for when you're like, okay, I need to take a picture there. Oh wow, look at that! That's that's pretty cool. I need to take a picture of that. Does that make sense? What I'm Uh, saying?
1: uh, Yeah, no, that makes sense. I'd say I'd call that getting in touch with my artsy fartsy side and just having that look. Uh, Dustin Etheridge, one of the guys with OO, he's the he's the main guy over there that taught me a lot with Trevin and with the very first hunt that I went on, it was me, him, and another guy, Jordan Brown, and we just joked around about getting your Archie Fartzie on and that's kind of what I do now is I I just look for something that I want to remember if that makes sense, and i lot like, uh-huh. I'll, I'll start taking pictures. Like, if I see something that I want to remember, then I'll start taking pictures of it, and I just got to kind of get in that mindset of that's what I'm here to do is to find stuff that I want to remember. and I want to capture it the same way I'm experiencing it. And if I can express that through the pictures, that's kind of what my goal is with it. And I, I don't know if that's kind of the, what you're asking for on it. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, that's, that's the best way I can describe it is if I want to remember that and then I'll get into a a really good artsy fartsy side and I'll start playing with light and try and capture it and, Kind of a different way or a different light, and I'll just be messing with my settings and stuff and see if I can make it look really cool.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, when you're when you're talking about your Archie Farty side, are you are most of your pictures when you're filming someone else? Do most of your pictures have that someone else or? or your guys' tents, or some type of, you know, like the bow, arrows, equipment, or something like that? Or is it kind of 50-50 between that and, like, landscape shots and things like that?
1: I love landscape shots, and for me, it's it's difficult, me, difficult for me to capture a landscape shot the way I see it. I gotcha. Feel. I, so I'd say a lot of the times, I have somebody in it or I'll have something in it and I'll be messing around with it like that. So probably a 70%. I know other guys that just love landscape shots and they'll probably be 70% landscape shots and 30, 30% the other way. They'll just switch around. Um, I like messing around with landscape shots because, like I said, I'll, I don't feel like I'm as good at capturing that. Mm-hmm. And so that's something I always mess with and try and get more of, especially if I'm out doing my own stuff. Like tomorrow I'm going to go out and do a deer hunt just for the day. I'm taking my – the half the reason I'm going out, I'm taking my camera with, I'm just going to be messing around with that. And mm-hmm. that's something I'm going to mess with and try and get more landscape stuff and just more experience messing around with it.
0: I got to. Yeah. And I agree though. I, I see a, a, you know, an awesome sunrise or sunset and I take the picture and I look at the picture and I'm like, what the hell? I
1: love messing with with light on sunrises and stuff. That's yeah that's different I, I love getting those and time lapses on them that's probably one of my favorite things to do time lapse on if i can just get my settings right and guess it and nail it they're fun i, I love doing those
0: yeah and and i don't know I mean, there might be a few people out there that don't know exactly what a time lapse is
1: so if you would explain it that, that'd be awesome uh time lapse you basically set your camera up on a tripod It's never moving. And then you put a timer on it and it takes a picture on average about every five seconds. Just, we'll just go, you can switch. There's a wide variety of of times that you can do on it. And then you go and you compile everything together and you kind of make it like a video. But it's really cool with the pictures because you can push the pictures in post-production And really make them pop and bring out the lights or crush the darks and have a really cool shot. And it's just like a really awesome short clip video that usually runs about five to ten seconds. And it'll show a, a, a lapse in time.
0: That's awesome, and and I agree when, when you can do, you know, with the sunrise, sunset, or, or super colorful clouds m- moving across the sky, it's just, it's an awesome viewing, and it adds so much effect, in my opinion, when you put that into a video, <laughs> when you piece that in there with, you know, all your other clips, it's just, it's pretty sweet.
1: <laughs> yeah, I love it. I- I think that Echo Doors does a really great job of incorporating those into the show. And then another good one is Western Hunter. Nate does a really awesome job of just getting some time lapses in there. And I know I've heard him talk before where he said that the half of the show would be time lapses if it was up to him. And <laughs> I'd have to agree. I, if I could shove more in, I probably would. I love them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So when you're up there in your film, and you're filming, I mean, obviously, if you don't get the shot on film, then. It's it's almost a bust, right? Um, but when you are working on getting B roll, um, I myself find it somewhat challenging because I'm like, how many times do you want to see somebody walk in front of the damn camera, you know? <laughs> so what you know, what kind of things do you look for when you go to start making B roll and extra shots like that? Other than just pictures, you know, more on the video side.
1: Yeah, yeah. my biggest thing is from when when I step out of the truck, if I get to a trailhead or if we're at a hunt somewhere, I'm trying to capture that hunt as much as I can in real time. And so I'm getting my B-roll in real time. When we're hiking in, I'm filming. When we're hiking out, I'm filming. Everywhere in between. And I might have the person I'm filming stop and do something or I'll jump out and get in front of them. That's where being in really good physical shape comes into it, it helps you and it makes you better because if I'm in the mountains, I know down in the Floridas with Trevin, then I would be jumping in front of him, I'd be behind him and everywhere in between, and he'd just be hiking. And as long as I was, knew that we were in a spot where I wasn't going to bust animals by going in front of him, because that's the last thing you want to do as a cameraman because you already get blamed for everything that goes wrong anyway. The last thing you want to do is actually be the guy that's making something go wrong so they have more ammo for the fire so like you definitely don't want to be hey i was out front and i just kicked up a whole bunch of animals i'm sorry i ruined it so as long as you're in a spot where you can do that i love to just get it in real time and i'm just looking for the best way to tell the story and if that makes sense on on what i'm looking for if i were to be telling the story to somebody what would i want them to see and so that's mm-hmm. what I try to capture with it. And you're right, man. It gets old, you know, looking behind, being behind somebody and filming them walking, filming the boots, filming. Like, it can get old or it can seem like it's old. But I I used to not watch a lot of hunting shows. And for some reason the past year, I really started watching some different stuff. And it's it's cool how you can find different ways to tell essentially the same story. Every single show is the same story. It's somebody going out and they're trying to hunt and they're trying to get something. And you got these good guys that can just really put it together and make an awesome show and tell the same story in a completely different way. And it's not the same story every single time.
0: Yeah. Now, so once you get, you know, B roll and and all that good stuff, and here comes the shot, you know, (laughs) he's about ready to shoot the animal. Um, What exactly are you – I mean, obviously you're focused on having the animal in frame when they're shooting, but are yep. you focused on being pretty zoomed in or pretty zoomed out? Are you focused on giving them more space in front of their head or more space behind their ass end? You know, what What do you look for in the perfect kill shot video, basically?
1: If I were to have the perfect kill shot video um... – That's a really good question. I would probably be not 100% zoomed in on the animal, Mm -hmm. but enough to where it's probably taking up a third of the frame. That way on the TV screen, you can see where the arrow's going, but you can, at the same time, it's just not right up in his face. And then, so I'd be a third of the way in, or like a third of the frame, third of the animal in frame. And then... I would, as soon as the shot goes off, I love validating that the camera was right there with the cameraman, if that makes sense for the shot, because there's a lot of shows that, and right or wrong, there's a lot of shows that will add a lot of different stuff into it and do like the magic behind the scenes. I like to just zoom straight out from where the animal was to show where the hunter was to show how far the shot was, whether it was 10 yards or whether it was 50 yards, like that's something that you want to show the skill of the archer and you can do that through film by as soon as they shoot, you can pan out, but then you're still staying with the animal. Gotcha. And then continue on. And then I'll probably zoom right back into where the animal was and go, or if the animal just busts and I know he's going to be gone quick and I can keep him in frame. Ideally I'll keep him in frame the whole time. And then as soon as he's out of frame, I'll be zooming out and focusing.
0: Gotcha. On her. Cool. Yeah, you know, that, that makes a lot of sense. Kind of, uh, so uh, basically, allowing the viewer to feel like they're in the situation, um, rather than like you said, doing the behind-the-scenes magic, where, you, any, well, I don't know, the the person that has actually been in a situation like that is like, yeah, that doesn't happen. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, well, if
1: you're close enough, it's uh, the really cool shot is if you can have the hunter in frame and the animal in frame, but you got to be super close to be able to see where exactly that animal hit or where you hit on that animal. Gotcha. That's something that the viewer is going to want to see of where you hit because everybody's critical when they're watching TV. And that's something that you and the hunter are going to want to know if you're not finding that animal or if you're questioning, like, hey, where'd I hit? You're going to want to go back and look at that footage in the field. And so it's really hard to have the animal and the person in frame unless you're super close. I did that with John Felix, Bighorn sheep Hunt, that's also in the Full Draw Film Tour this year. I had him in frame and the Ram on frame. And half the time I watch it, I'm like, man, it's a sweet shot. And the other half, I'm like, man, I should have been closer on the Ram so that we could see exactly where he hit and then pan out to him. So it's a, it's a catch 22. It it looks awesome. I love that shot, but I think I'd rather love that shot as being a second cameraman and then have the primary camera just up close and tight on the animal, like I was talking about.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, as far as like second cameraman or second angles, do you ever try and run? Um, I don't even maybe even something as simple as like a GoPro, you know, so that you know you're able to watch the the archer draw back or whatever else. You oh ever yeah, I run, run, like run that? A GoPro
1: a lot. Okay, like that's something that we do a lot with at OO is we'll have a GoPro actually attached to the tripod and I'll turn that sucker on a lot just to get a secondary camera angle, just close up stuff, make it more realistic. And just with me, like if I'm out filming stuff like I did with Brian, then yeah, I'll throw that on me. I'll, I hate having my, uh, my Hunter wear one on his head because I think it looks goofy and tacky, but I'll wear it to capture just a little bit different angle and turn it mm-hmm. on. So that's yeah, cool. I, I love using GoPros. If you got them set up to where they're capturing the highest quality, that's I and mean, they are a really good camera for for the money.
0: Cool, cool. Yeah, that, that's a, that's actually a really cool tip right there. Is you wearing the GoPro facing you know your shooter? Um, that's, yeah, that's just make sure you turn idea. the you
1: know, the red lights off on those things because I've I've been with the guys that have it, and <laughs> yeah, when the elk came in, he didn't like that red light flashing. Yeah. So that was one where they that was one where they were allowed to blame the cameraman. And I was yeah. I was like what the hell,
0: dude? Yeah. <laughs> man, man. So with your audio, um do you basically always run a mic on your hunter?
1: Yeah. Yeah, okay. you have to. Uh, you, you don't have to. In fact, my film in the full Draw film tour, I didn't but the audio suffers when it's windy so it's always nice so i shouldn't say that yes you always have to because i don't when i did when i was in alaska i was filming four guys that didn't care if they were filmed or not really completely different scenario scenario than most guys uh most guys would kill to have a cameraman like following them around and you know hey we're gonna do something with this nobody gave two shits which was awesome because, like, they were focused on hunting, and I was capturing hunting. And so getting them to wear a mic wasn't, was not going to happen. So yeah. didn't. I didn't. Was, it was all shotgun. And coming back, I think 90% of the audio is great So without it. But then there's 10% where, like, man, I wish I had them wearing a mic. But it just it wasn't going to be realistic. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to. Do you have a good shotgun mic? then you can get away with a lot if you have, like, a dead cat wind block on there. But if you get a lot of wind, you're going to want to have them mic'd up.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I actually noticed the same thing when um, some of the little things I've done, just trying to film buddies and, get you know, get better, basically. Um, yep. Like you say, when if there's any wind whatsoever, the shotgun mic just doesn't pick up their voice very well. And Wyoming and Colorado have plenty of wind, so.
1: <laughs> oh, Wyoming's got a ton, dude. I was actually born up by Powell, and so I know I know all about the wind living in Wyoming, and then moving down to Colorado, it's it, we get the same stuff. So yeah. That's so crazy. I grew up in Powell. <laughs> oh, no kidding, man. Yeah. yeah. I was born right in the hospital there. I grew oh up, man. Grew up outside there. Moved moved away when I was six or seven. So. Gotcha.
0: Gotcha cool cool um now as far as uh edits uh obviously you come back you have thousands of uh pictures tons of video i mean for me i i have like 300 and i'm like oh my gosh i have to go through and edit all those Like what, uh, you know, what kind of process do you use and what program do you use for your, for your photo edits? Um, And then we can talk about video edits and all that stuff
1: afterwards. Having a really good um, organization system and the way you download that everything is great. Dustin came up with a really good thing for OO where we, 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 download everything and every card gets its own file and with that card we put the cameraman and what camera he was using for that card for the day so everything goes into a day folder so you got like november 1st november 2nd november 3rd and then within november 1st you're gonna have lane's card you're gonna have dustin's card and then you're gonna have lane shooting the the 5d and can and dustin shooting the 5d and then lane 6d and, and Dustin 6d So everything's split up into the cards so that you can go back and you can look at everything that way in a really good format. (laughs) And then as far as the programs, Photoshop is just a ton of work for what usually you don't have to do any major work to it. You just mess around with light. So Lightroom is like my go to. If I mess around with the stuff, then I really love messing around with Lightroom. And for, oh, oh, I don't mess with almost, I almost do nothing with the post editing. It's all, almost always Dustin and Garrett are doing everything for that, so I'm not messing around with it, which is nice. I just go out and I shoot it, and then they get to play with it, which makes my life a hell of a lot easier. For my per- but it's the same thing with them. Lightroom is probably 95% of what we use, and then you can get into Photoshop if you want to do anything more detailed, but you almost never have to.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. And when you... When you, Like you say, when you have a, <laughs> a thousand photos, um, is there, you know, because I would assume that there's probably 10 or 15 or maybe even 20 or more photos of basically the same picture. Um, oh, yeah. You, you know, When I, there, do, if, I go
1: I go pick out the best, and I'll do that with everything. And everybody can be different on it, but I'll just – I'll literally go through, and when I'm, okay, this is – If I have 50 shots of this scene right here, there's probably going to be three different things that I... Like, I've changed something in between, something's going to be different, and I'll just go through and I'll pick out, like, my three favorites and just edit my three favorites. For me, if I can get five pictures out of 50, I'm doing really good that I like because I'll be super critical of what I'm looking at.
0: Gotcha. And when you go to pick out those five or fewer out of 50, I mean... I would have – what are are the main characteristics that you're for? Because to me, you know, if I looked at all 50 of those photos, chances are they would all look the
1: same to me. You
0: know what I mean? So what what exactly are you looking for to say, yep, that's the one I want to edit?
1: Uh, There's all kinds of stuff, like light, my framing. Framing the shot is huge. Um, if the shot is framed weird, Trevin has pounded that into my head that um, it's not going to be cool and it's not going to look good to anybody, which I'd say probably, you know, at least 50% of the people aren't even going to, like, notice that something was off, but the other 50% will look at it and say something's, something's wonky or just there's a little bit off. So if something's framed wrong, then I probably am going to be I'm be ditching it and moving something and using something else. And what do you else.
0: mean by framed wrong?
1: Uh, The perfect description for me, or the easiest description for framing, is if you have somebody looking through a set of binoculars, and it's driving me nuts when I see it on Instagram and stuff, too. (laughs) If you have somebody looking through the binoculars, and they're in the middle of the the picture, and they're looking off to the right, I don't want to see what's behind them. So put them on the far left side of the screen so they're looking. If they're looking to the right, you can see everything that they're looking at.
0: Okay. I, I don't know understand. if I get a very
1: good description of that or not.
0: Yeah, yeah no, that, so basically like,
1: like... framing it like what they're looking at, that's a really good way of doing it. Like for someone that's glassing, that's a you're gonna wanna sometimes and I have a shot that I'm putting together this film for next year's for a submission to next year's full draw from Alaska where you can break the mold on it. And so some shots you can break the mold and others, but for most of the time if they're looking off to the right don't be showing what's behind them off to the left (laughs) unless you got an animal sneaking up on them and they don't know about it. But, yeah, I would never let that happen. I'd be like, hey, dude, there's an animal coming in. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I could understand, you know, if if basically somebody's sitting on a skyline and they're glassing, you know, what you're this is how I understood it you would want to show basically what they're glassing, not what they're yep. not glassing behind them. Okay, cool. Yep, cool. Yeah, that that makes a ton of sense. The picture wouldn't make any sense if you just chopped it off right at the front of their binoculars and showed what was behind them. <laughs> <laughs>
1: exactly. Yeah,
0: that's, a, that, that's
1: an extreme case, but that's a really good way of putting it. Yep,
0: yeah. That would be super annoying. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it is for me now. I, I that's something I wasn't. I didn't think about at first, and then until Travis started yelling at me, like he could, he could see, he's like, "Hey, you're not framing that right." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" And then you know him talking about it, explaining, and then you know cutting people off at right spots. If you're going to be close up on somebody, and you don't want to be cutting off at it, like a major joint or something, so just that kind of stuff too goes right in with the framing. Cool. Like you want a picture where you can see half of somebody's hand. <laughs>
0: Three fingered wonder.
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that kind of stuff.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. So on the on the flip side, on the video editing, um, you know, which I would assume you choose the clips that to you portray the story that you are looking to portray.
1: Um, exactly. And if I'm coming in and I'm doing, if I'm editing this stuff, I like to pull it in in chronological order. I don't like to use stuff from Friday and put it in with Monday. I, I really hate doing that. That's it's movie magic. People do it all the time, but I like to keep clips from Friday with Friday and just keep going in chronological chronological order. And I'll put that into my timeline. I, I use Adobe premiere for all my stuff it's a great program. It's the only one I've really messed with other than like the free stuff that Microsoft has and all that that I started off in the very beginning using but Adobe has just been awesome. So their Premiere Pro is what I use for all my editing and I'll just come in and start building my story and my timeline off of that and I'll pull the good clips and put them in in chronological order and sometimes I need to mess with stuff a little bit but other than that I just put it in there and then I go down and start clipping it down to actually making a story. Gotcha. And to me, that's the hardest thing: putting it together to where it's actually making the story.
0: Okay, yeah, I could I could see where pulling it into you know chronological chronological order and you know in which it happened, I could see where that would just make a big difference. Than oh, look at this clip from like you said Friday. Oh, look at this one from Monday. What about Saturday and Sunday? I said, 40 clips there. You know,
1: yeah. Um, yeah. And the viewer would never the viewer would never know. Because yeah. uh, you can do that, but I know, and it would bug me way too much, and it does bug me way too much if I ever have to. But so I just I never do it. I just keep everything together.
0: Cool. When now when you're dragging all these all these uh, all these clips in um, and you get them shortened and everything like that, how do you know um, what's type of transition do you to use from one clip to the next is it basically just off of what you like or is there kind of a standard well
1: uh, i wouldn't say there's a standard and but i can't go off on what i like because i really love like the cross dissolve for me that is my favorite one i just think it's great and i yeah. used to really be against a ton of hard transitions until when I guess I didn't start really paying attention to it until I started doing my own editing on how I was doing it. And I started watching movies and now when I watch movies, I'm not really watching the movie. I'm looking at how the, how the producer did everything and how the editors put everything together. And if -hmm. you watch a movie, man, it's nothing but hard, hard cuts. And you very rarely have something to where it's going to be like a cross dissolve or anything like that. So the hard cuts are, are what I use a lot of now. And I've, at first I was like, man, I, I, I just don't think, it, I don't like it. I think it looks weird. I really like the cross dissolve. And then you watch a movie and you're like, holy shit, that's nothing but, nothing <laughs> but hard cuts. And you can make it work just great. And you can tell the story actually better to me most of the time with a hard cut than you can with something else. So.
0: Gotcha. But, when man, I love
1: that cross dissolve.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think cross dissolve and, and I like fades too. Ew. You know whether yep. what doesn't really yep. matter what they're doing, but where it just slowly starts fading the color disappears and then it transitions into the next clip. Um, I just think that looks so cool.
1: <laughs> I agree, man. I agree. It gives it a cinematic look, that, uh, I, and that's what I'm going for. I've said that you know, like probably ten times already on here, but it, it gives it that. But you can overdo it. It's the same with slow motion. A couple of years ago, when everybody was getting the 4K cameras and starting to shoot slow mo, that's all that was on TV that year. And that's probably why I didn't watch that much on the TV that year because it was nothing but slow mo shots. Like, all right, we got to slow, we got to cut this out a little bit. Two to three in an episode is perfect. Anything more than that, it's way too much. And it's the same thing with the cross dissolve and the fade outs and stuff. Two to three, good. Anything more than that, probably too much.
0: <laughs> and the... When you say hard cut, you mean literally it goes from one clip to the next with n- in nothing between it. You know, no seconds. Yep. Um, and if it's just,
1: yeah, exactly. And if it's composed right and it goes together, then it should it shouldn't be a problem. I really like the cross dissolve if I'm showing like a transition in time where I'm going to go back to talking about my Alaskan film. Uh, the guys are stocking up on stuff, and I was the only camera guy, so it's only one camera angle. So instead of speeding the clip up and showing them stocking up, I'll do a cross dissolve of them close and then 10 yards away or 20 yards away and then 40 yards away. That way I'm not showing them going doing the entire stock just sped up. I'm going to show a five-second clip of, of them at 10 yards, five seconds at like 15 yards, and then three at like 40, and then I'll get ready for them to shoot, something like that. Okay. It's a really good way of, like, telling the time is passing, but you're not, like, moving anything.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, cool. So what about for uh, maybe a tip or two for somebody that is uh, really interested in getting into filming um, but doesn't really know, you know, which camera to start with? um and and kind of really know how to get started what what kind of tips would you give for someone doing that
1: oh, man that's a good question uh there's there's so many different ways that you could do it There's a ton of great film schools out there, but uh, film schools are expensive there's a lot of a lot of stuff on YouTube though and I know Dustin is basically self-taught from watching YouTube videos. Another guy that you would never guess was self-taught from YouTube videos is Branlon Shockey. Brandlin makes some of the best TV on TV, and that's putting him against guys on the, not just the Sportsman's and Outdoor Channel, but I'd put him against guys on Discovery Channel, Nat Geo. The dude just does amazing, phenomenal work. And if I could ever go work with him for a couple of weeks, I'd do it in a heartbeat. Just because right. I look up to him a lot. He's right up there with guys like Corey Richards, who does stuff for Nat Geo all the time. I put Bramlin right there, up there with him. So, um, and he just learned everything off of YouTube. He literally sat down and was like, Hey, I'm gonna start doing this and start watching YouTube videos. And Dustin is the exact same way. And he's another guy that I've just been blessed to work with. If he had a question on something, he would just sit down and look at YouTube and figure it out or find a book. Find it in a book. So you can, if you've got the drive for it, you can definitely do it on YouTube. For me, I definitely want to be nearly as far as I am by doing it that way. The film schools I've been to Oo has put on some really, really bomber film schools for me which where I've learned a ton with the video editing and the camera work. And just, you know, it's a good solid three or four days of pushing yourself with your camera. Awesome. So that's a really good way of doing it too. But those are probably the two best ways to do it. But if, if you're broke and, you know, you, can, you can't even afford the camera, get on YouTube, man. Start messing around on YouTube. As far as the equipment to go off from, the equipment is constantly changing. It's constantly having to upgrade. I I just feel like I just bought my Canon, and it's probably old now. I still use it. <laughs> I still use it for the shows and stuff. But I definitely could – I got a wish list of the cameras that I could be shooting with. I mean, I keep watching – rock house motion stuff they just got like a new red helium and the body itself is fifty thousand dollars yeah that's a dream camera to run but holy hell it shoots, it shoots 8k there the tv Jeez. channels right now there's two out there that show 4k and this thing is shooting in 8k so it's just phenomenal but you know when you got a hundred thousand dollar camera set up it should be phenomenal <laughs> So you got the wish list stuff and then you got the reality stuff and for honestly the 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 Canon 60 is what I'm shooting and it does a really good job and if you're on a budget and you're on a tight budget and you want to do it all around and you want to show a really good c- cinematic feel to it that's a really good way to go. But if you're going to go out there and your main purpose is to is to capture the hunt and capture the kill and not focus so much on your camera work the I've told some guys to get the Canon XA30. It's a really good video camera. You're not going to get pretty pictures off of the thing. It'll take decent pictures, but you're not going to get super pretty pictures off of it because it's a Canon video camera. It's not a DSLR. You can still mess with the settings and push it and stuff, or buy a used Canon XA25. And those are a really good video camera. You can get that set up for less than $2,000. I think the Canon XA30 is $2,000 or like $1,800 brand new. So it's under two thousand dollars, which for camera equipment is cheap. But it, I've seen some of the footage from it, and it looks really good. Awesome. So then you can get that. You can get a good shotgun mic to go with it, and you go out and start filming you and your buddies and having a good time and learning off from it. So my suggestion, if you're going to do that, don't shoot an automatic all the time. If you're just learning and you're you're pushing stuff, I got a buddy that he and even with his with his Canon 60, he went out, and spent all the money on the Canon 60 went to one of the film schools but he shoots at navy all the time and you can tell when you're looking at the footage that yeah it was a A B, not manual i really love to shoot manual because i have control of everything i don't have the light flickers i talked about flickers so much when i was with brian he's like man you really hate it when it fl- is on the camera i was like yeah i really do so i like shooting in manual as much as i can and so i do the same thing with that canon xa30 if i were to buy it and be shooting with that i'd be shooting it manual as much as possible
0: Doctor, gotcha. that makes sense. I mean, having control and you know, and basically allowing you to adjust the picture and video to what you are looking for. Correct? Is that the point? Yeah,
1: that's correct. But it also shows, like, uh, right, when you're running a manual, it's going to show the light difference that the clouds come over and it's going to get a little dark. Yeah, it's that's what happened to you and the hunter. Is it got a little bit darker? So. To me, why would you want a camera to get super bright and make it look like it's the exact same as when the sun was completely out as to where now it's partially covered? I want to show a little bit. Obviously, I'm going to brighten it up a little bit, but I'm going to show that, hey, it's darker now than it was five minutes ago.
0: Gotcha. Cool. Yeah, that that makes perfect sense. It's just telling the story the way it actually happened, like you've been saying, that's That's powerful. And that's my
1: goal the whole time, man, is just to to tell the story and tell the adventure. I think so many guys get wrapped up on the kill shot, and they get wrapped up on, i got to get the kill shot, and if you don't have the kill shot, it's nothing. But there's some really good TV shows out there that don't show show the kill shot, and I'd much rather watch those. And I know my wife, who, like, doesn't care nearly as much about the artsy-fartsy stuff, Um, like, would rather watch these shows where you're not seeing an animal get killed versus, hey, they got a kill shot, but the rest of it's kind of just, you know, average stuff. Mm-hmm. So I really like that cinematic look and pushing it. And you can get a lot out of your camera and you can get a lot out of a TV show by having, then telling a really good story and showing the adventure over the kill and not to go and swing off from ramlin Shockey's nuts too much. But if you look at uncharted, that show does not focus on the kill. A show focuses on the adventure and the whole adventure of getting up and to that point. And it's focusing on the hunt, but it's focusing a lot more on the adventure. And I just love the way that's put together. And half the time you can't even see the animal when Jim's shooting it. But that show is probably the best hunting show on TV right now. So in my opinion, I'm, if I had to pick three shows to watch, and I'm I know I'm biased, but the three shows I would watch would probably be uncharted outback outdoors and then there's a couple of other ones in there that would throw in there would just be a random or toss up for third place so Mm -hmm. but i think that the the top two just really i personally they do a great job of showing the adventure and showing the entire hunt and everything that goes into it not just hey i'm here i'm going to shoot this deer or hey i'm here i'm going to shoot this bear or whatever they do a really great job of actually showing the hunt
0: yeah, cause absolutely, I, I agree completely. There's so much more that goes into it. Um, I mean, all the way from literally packing all your shit in your truck so that you can even go. You know,
1: exactly. Um, and So many shows start with, "Hey, I'm here in, I'm here in Kansas." Well, how'd you get to Kansas? You're from Texas, dude. Like that, that's at least a ten-hour drive, or hell, you're from New York. How'd you get to yeah. Colorado? Or you're in New Mexico. How'd you get to New Mexico? So many, like they just, they sell yourself short. I shoot, I got 10 minutes put into my Alaska trip of us actually getting to Alaska, but I got to go cut down into like probably a minute. And it's going to be hard to do it because there's so much of a story of actually getting there that, you know, the hunt's not everything.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's all about this and, 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 It's almost like the kill isn't
1: everything, you know, like you said. I completely Uh, agree, man. I I completely agree. Now, to me, like I have to put that pressure on myself like it is every single time I'm filming and if that animal's not on or it's not in focus, I got to let them know like it is. But if you have a really great show, the kill shot is just a bonus. Yep. And I think too many shows don't feel that way. They feel the exact opposite. They feel like if you have the... Not that, like, there's a ton of great shows out there, but if, like, the kill shot's not everything, and I know there's shows that won't show it if they won't have the kill shot, but I'd show it in a heartbeat. If you have a really good show all around it, why not? Mm
0: -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Hell, you don't
1: even need a kill to make a good show.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think
1: some of my favorite shows that I've watched are when nothing got killed. Yeah. So... No kidding.
0: Yeah, if yeah, you know, like you say, if the people do a good job telling the story, then yeah, absolutely, they're super entertaining. Yeah. I, if the, we, if if the people were miserable we hunt, the whole time, we, you know, yeah, well, while they were filming <laughs> because they didn't get a kill exactly. shot, it's not near as much fun.
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly, I and mean, it comes to, to me, it just comes back to why do I hunt? I hunt for the adventure and to be out there, and I I film because I want to bring that adventure back and show people the adventure, and man, I. Go out hunting, and I've been blessed. I've killed a lot of animals with my bow, and but man, there's been a lot of hunts where I haven't killed anything, and those have been my favorite hunts. Mm-hmm. So why not show that? You should be able to translate that. It's hard, but I mean that's that's why I'm out there. So
0: yeah, well, I mean, at the end of the day, why you do what you do is all that matters. Exactly. So. Well, cool. I obviously really appreciate you taking the time and and sharing some of your tips and tactics and information about some cameras and a little bit on how to help the newer person get started. Um, I mean, I I learned a ton, so I know that when I uh, air this out that a lot of other people, because I I don't know about you, but I think that trying to – Film your buddies and film yourself, and any type of filming and taking a lot of pictures in the outdoors is on the rise. And it's just, it's awesome having somebody that's out there doing it. And obviously, it's a big passion of yours um, to come on and, and share uh, and, and help other people follow their passion as well.
1: Oh, anytime, man. And you're right. I think there's a lot more people that are getting out there and picking up cameras and they should be because the technology is making it a lot easier than what it was just five years ago. So, but do it. But one thing that I've learned is you got to pick what you're going to do. If you're going to be out there and you're going to self-film stick with the self-film and know that you're probably not going to get the shot at that big bowl. You're going to have to decide whether you want to shoot a 150 inch buck on camera or that 200 inch buck, not on camera. Mm-hmm. And so there's a, that's something that a lot of guys don't think about. Like you gotta, you gotta decide what you're going to do. And for me, what I've decided when I'm hunting with friends and stuff, if I'm filming, I'm filming, I'm going to have my bow with me if I'm hunting, but it's going to probably be stretch my pack and I'm running my camera most of the time. And then if a, you know, a great shot presents itself, then I'll be, then I'll be hunting. But for the most part, when I'm going out with buddies now, I'm filming and I'm hunting mm-hmm. second, And I just got to put that on me. I did the same thing with Alaska. I didn't actually pick up. I had my bow with me the whole time, but I didn't actually think about stocking and shooting something until my fourth day because I was just focused on getting everybody else's stuff on camera. And I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change it. So.
0: That's awesome. That's way awesome. Well, yeah. Well, once again, I truly appreciate it.